Hello and welcome to the Unranked Podcast, a video game podcast. This is Christian Humes, and today joining me we have a number of hosts. Let me patch you into our first caller. We have a Tom Caswell on the line. Tom, how you doing? I don't know what you're doing, but I hate it. Oh, well, what a wonderful call we got from Tom Caswell. All right, it looks like our next listener's coming in. Uh, oh, hold on, I got another call. It's from Mrs. Green. Mrs. Green, how you doing? What's that? You got enough stamps to finally buy that sewing machine. How wonderful. Mrs. Green, we're in the middle of a show here. I'll be right back with you. And our other guest today is a special guest, Emily Rose Jacobson. Emily, welcome to the Unranked Podcast. Why, hello. Oh, I really hate when you don't tell me things. <laughs> what is this? What is going on? I hate it. I hate the show. <laughs> Have you heard about video games? Oh no, stop! <laughs> oh, news. It's an interactive moving picture. You use with your hands and your mind. Oh, they're gonna uh, have to pay more than a nickel for this one. You would not get away with this shit if Dan and Tuna were <laughs> away this week. <laughs> I was so I I was so excited to hear Emily come on because I knew I could um. Pull do a shit. lot more of these things <laughs> yeah i could i could just like screw around more and have someone that's able to kind of just go with the flow emily welcome yes. to the show hello it's good to be here yeah we're very excited to have you on so i think the first thing we should do is maybe introduce you to our listeners why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself sure uh i'm originally from houston texas i've been gaming my entire life and then i ended up coming to la for college and work and i've been a host on mountain dews game fuel on twitch i now appear on hype rpg i write for game engine on geek and sundry and i cover video games for geek girl authority very awesome very cool what are some of your favorite games franchises Yes. Oh my goodness. Hands down. Uh, favorite game of all time. I've written so many papers on it too. Uh, Bioshock. I think Bioshock oh. is arguably one of the greatest narrative games uh, to ever come out. And I love that Emily, franchise. Did you, did you know I have a Bioshock tattoo? No! Yeah. I'll, have to, <laughs> I'll, send, I'll, send, I'll send you a photo of it later, but because uh, it's kind of hard. To, it's of the lighthouse. Oh, nice. Uh, no, yeah. I really do want to get the... Um, I want to get the chain, the chain link tattoos on my wrists eventually. Because oh, cool! I just think uh, the game has a lot of different powerful messages about choice and just narratively. I mean, I think it's still. You look at a bunch of articles right now uh, about twists and games and storytelling games, and Bioshock is usually at the top of a lot of those lists. And I constantly agree with them. <laughs> mm. Which is your favorite Bioshock? Probably the original. I did like Infinite, but. Um, I don't know. There was something very powerful about you being told what to do and a non-speaking first person perspective, I think is really powerful in games because mm. then it really feels like you're immersed in there. Bioshock Infinite, you kind of, you were Booker. You were not, I was not Emily exploring Rapture. I was right. Emily playing Booker in uh, Columbia. But I loved, I loved the choices in Bioshock Infinite. I thought it was really fresh and different. And of course, uh, Burial at Sea, the DLC ties both uh, the original game and Infinite together in a really really cool way. I never played that, but I did watch it on YouTube afterwards. Yes, just I didn't get the DLC with it. Infinite, I think, is my favorite, partially just because um, I'm not good with like creepy game worlds. <laughs> so I loved the bright color. Of yes, the Infinite, although 
you know, it's creepy on maybe a different kind of moral level. It gets yeah, it gets <laughs> weird. Like... I, I think you, I I think you made the argument to uh, that Infinite is a creepier game than um, <laughs> the original. The original I think is creepier in more traditional ways. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing about Infinite is like it was very clear from the beginning as they were marketing the game that they were like, oh, we're gonna market as this like beautiful, brightly lit world, but. It's gonna really fuck with you on some deep levels. Yes, and I, I, I think Infinite. The two always uh, go back and forth between which is my favorite, but I do think Infinite edges out in the creepiness just because it's juxtaposed. Yeah, you know, Rapture is inherently just this creepy world, but Columbia is creepy for entirely different oh yeah and you get to watch the fall of columbia too because of these kind of horribly moral choices and it's really interesting if you have i have the like many accoutrements i have around my apartment that are bioshock i have the infinite art book and it's fascinating because this game was in development for a long time and it had a lot of different forms one in which it was going to be a spiritual successor of the original in that it was just going to be another horror uh based title and some of the concept art they have for some of the some of the creatures and animatronics that they were going to build in uh, Infinite are terrifying. It's such a cool book. It's basically, it shouldn't even be called Bioshock Infinite. I feel like it should be called the game that never was because a lot of the concept art is for a game that you just don't see. Yeah. I remember that first trailer being very, like the teaser mm-hmm. was very different than the final game that we played. What an awesome game. But still, I love that series. And I also am a big fan of Bethesda and open world games. Those are also on my high list. Are you go are you looking forward to Fallout 76? I am. I'm very curious on how they take Fallout and put it into an online multiplayer yeah. format because I I love 3 in New Vegas and I think uh oops uh that was just sorry there was a ding in my headphones. Um a a big part I loved about 3 in New Vegas were the was the writing i think the writing in in fallout 3 and fallout new vegas is wonderful because you also have obsidian uh writing for them and then as soon as fallout 4 kind of came out there was you could tell that there was a change namely because obsidian wasn't working with them anymore so kind of all the raiders became raiders there weren't as many kind of like raider factions or kind of lore in that sense it was much more about the locations and the different factions of kind of other groups rather than just like straight raiders um so yeah, I really liked what I loved about three in New Vegas were the kind of the person, the personalization of them, and that it was your mm. journey, and all these characters were interacting with you. So I'm really interested to see how Bethesda is bringing in this multiplayer element. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, I get to run around with my friends in uh, a Fallout New uh, West Virginia. That's going to be super fun. But I'm yeah. guessing, yeah, where is the fun kind of writing and story and characters and experiences that this series is known for? And how is that going to blend into a multiplayer uh, feel? I almost kind of wish they had had done the art differently for the game. I wish it was almost uh, a mixture of a Fallout Shelter art Ooh, style. Yeah, I could see that. You know, like a brighter... Just because I think once you have the multiplayer experience going, everything's going to have a lot more levity to it. It's going to be hard to have like a really serious experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they feel like they should have leaned into that because I was excited when it was first teased and I was hoping for a more cartoony, bright experience that could be like fun. And it looks like, I mean, I I really don't even know what the hell this game is. I'm really 
curious because <laughs> I feel like I feel like multiplayer online multiplayer works really really well with their other big franchise, Elder Scrolls, because Elder Scrolls is much more about like you on an adventure in this open world where you can do like anything. In it's that, more of a traditional game. Yeah, it's much more of a traditional game. Fallout to me just has a lot more story to it, and that's the yeah. thing where I'm. Uh, that's the kind of the the concept where I'm kind of butting heads with how's this going to appear in multiplayer? Is there going to be a story? Is there not? Um, I yeah, I'm really curious about the whole. You kill players. Uh, if you kill someone, you get punished for it, but they also want you to kill players and um all that kind of jazz. So I guess we'll have to see when it comes out. I just have you been keeping up on the the details of how that's all going to work? I've seen a few of it. I was not able to see what they kind of talked about at QuakeCon. I know that they covered more sure. of the game than I have yet to watch uh, that stream or that video, but. So if in terms of interacting with other players, if someone attacks you, um, unless you fight back, uh, they're going to actually do very little. Oh, okay. So you. that's good. Uh, so you, there has, there has to be a kind of, you know, glove slapped across the face. You know, people have to accept, uh, you know, a combat scenario yeah. in order to participate. And if someone does kill you, and you don't fight back, and you know you you're running, and they they still whittle you down, even though they're only doing a little bit of damage. Uh, you know, you know, nipping mm -hmm. away at it. Um, they don't actually get anything for killing you. Uh, so they don't get any loot. Uh, if they're being a bad sport, and then yeah, they're made like a target, like a bounty is put on the head for people. Okay, that is great. So if you're just <laughs> gonna be a jackass, and if you're just gonna be a jackass in the game, they've actually made it like uh pretty pretty easy to um deter people from being a jackass uh but we'll see in practice you know people may find ways around it and who yeah. knows who knows how this game is going to shape up I, I i'm mainly concerned more about the infrastructure of bethesda never having done an online game and <clears throat> you know uh do they how what's servers like how, do they have a team in place that is very acutely aware of online i know they hired some people uh from like uh blizzard and stuff like that you know these teams that are very well versed mm -hmm. in how to make online games i don't know i think it's interesting as fuck and i think it's crazy that um any other year like when fallout 4 was announced and was coming out that was the most anticipated title you know of 2015 oh, yeah. but because because spider-man just hit because Red Dead Redemption is in everyone's mind. Like, this Fallout 76 is kind of this game that I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's also coming out and should be a big deal. Yeah. But yeah, the quarter know. three it's, and quarter four of this a... year is unbelievable. And even yeah, quarter one of 2019 is really crazy with Days yeah. Gone and then Kingdom Hearts 3. Specifically, <laughs> specifically February 22nd, yeah. 2019, which is like five different major games coming it's out. yeah it, it cracks me up it's oh, yeah I've, as as a streamer as well i'm very much like i don't know what to buy and what to do because everything's coming out and i'm not going to be able to finish anything as fast as i want to before the next title comes out that i want to stream but emily i i, I know that you're also a fan of pokemon Hell oh yeah. yes which is a is a great what what's this week's pokemon well, that's what question? i was just about to get to and speaking of pokemon things surrounding fallout pokemon uh <laughs> let's go pikachu let's go eevee yes I mean, that's coming oh, out yes. that, uh, november as well Ooh, yeah dog. i feel like fallout's gonna be eclipsed by a lot of big games it's gonna kind of but this yeah. week's pokemon is my favorite pokemon out of all the pokemon really yes 
It's Evie. Aww, oh, I go. love Evie. Evie is, I think, the best Pokemon. Uh, it represents so many great things. You know, in, in Pokemon, part of the lore to the whole story is, is uh, there's obviously an undertone about change and growth. And Eevee is great because it's a Pokemon that can become so many different kinds of other Pokemon. You know, it, it doesn't have a singular identity that most Pokemon seem to follow. Now, currently, what are there, eight versions of Eevee? You've got the original three uh, of Jolteon, Flareon, Vaporeon. Then there was Espeon and Umbreon. Then there was Glaceon, Leafeon. And then the eighth would have been uh, Sylveon, which is currently now my favorite. Oh, you like so Sylveon the best? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Sylveon's so cool. Uh, I was definitely a fan of Vaporeon in the past, but fairy-type Pokemon, when they added them, I think was one of the best things they ever did to the whole game. And uh, it's it's just as powerful as, like, Dragon-type, except all the Pokemon that generally are fairy-type are adorable, and so I think it's amazing and hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> for that reason, I love Sylveon, because it has, like, weird skin ribbons. That being said, what do you guys love about Eevee, uh, our Pokemon this week, Eevee? I love Eevee as well. I love, yeah, the, all the kind of... Uh, Eevee, you can either train Eevee and use Eevee kind of in its natural state, or you can make Eevee into anything you want Eevee to be. It's a very mm-hmm. versatile Pokemon. Uh, what made me really fall in fall in love with two Eevee evolutions was the GameCube Pokemon Coliseum game that Hells had yeah. you like capturing the Pokemon that were like shadow Pokemon and having to like use them to drain their shadow abilities so you could then train them more yourself because uh, your two Pokemon starting out in that game were Umbreon and Espeon and I just loved those uh, evolutions and their designs and kind of their just them together I thought was a really great pairing. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, I like Eevee. I know that there's a debate, especially now because of the Let's Go Games on which is more iconic Pikachu or Eevee, and I'm I'm always going to rep Team Pikachu. Um, that being said, the fact that Eevee had three different evolutions was really cool in the original game, and having to make sure you had the stones and all that, that was dope. Um, and I don't think Pokemon has, honestly, you know, they've got... There are those monkeys that are three different types. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, that they, they, they've tried it a couple more times, you know, to have like a Pokemon that does this. If you do use this stone or, you know, has different evolutions depending on what time of day. Oh, yeah. You evolve it. <laughs> but um, but I think I don't think I don't think anything has been as special as Eevee. So I'm a team Pikachu guy. I'm getting let's go Pikachu. Oh. Um, but <laughs> but Evie Evie has his or her place in the uh, for sure up there in the most iconic Pokemon, and I mean good way to come because like the thing is is like as a as iconic as Evie is the fact that Evie is rivaling Pikachu for mascot yeah. territory is kind I of crazy. know. It's a, that's what's a tricky because I want both. I I'm a huge Pikachu fan too. I love Pikachu. Pikachu's been such an icon. I've always captured Pikachu's in all my games and trained them up. Um, but then we, yeah, we've never had Eevee really as a starter like this. And this is actually an Eevee that you can't evolve. It will forever be Eevee. Mm. So I don't know. It's so hard. Do I go with the old or do I try the new? Well, here you want to know. I mean, I'm doing T- Team Eevee is the right answer. Uh, <laughs> Persuade this is my, me. <laughs> one of my favorite 
Pokemon facts for Eevee, and it is, I think, the most uh, underserved part of the Pokemon history, and it's the Pokemon Adventures manga. Have either of you dabbled into this? I have not dabbled, Christian. I remember hearing about it, but I never read it. They are amazing. The Pokemon Adventures manga are basically everything I would want the anime to be. A much different, slightly more adult story where characters actually progress and the storylines have a lot more real stakes. And they are modeled more after the storyline of the games than they are after anything that really happens in the show. And each arc of the mangas, it's like Pokemon Red and Blue, and it's about Red and Blue. And then they had one about Yellow, which are the main characters of the games, etc. In the original Pokemon manga... If you remember in the original games, when you get Eevee, you get Eevee at the building. I think it's at like Silphco after you kick Team Rocket out of there. And part of it is that supposedly Team Rocket was trying to do experiments on Eevee, just like they were doing experiments, trying to, you know, working to create Mewtwo. In the manga, Red has an Eevee that he saves from Team Rocket, similar to the way that we get the Eevee in the game, except his Eevee, because of the experiments on it, can change at will into any of the original three evolutions and then change back. What? Yeah. How cool is that? That is crazy. I love that. Yeah. And when I read that, that instantly was the thing that like pushed me over. Because I always loved Eevee. And then after that, I was like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in Pokemon lore. And it's just this really special one-of-a-kind Eevee that can change into a Flareon, a Jolteon, or Vaporeon, and then right back to Eevee so that it could use whatever type of moveset that it needs. Dang, I wish that's how Eevee worked in the game. <laughs> the most OP Pokemon, really. Yeah, <laughs> I can go to all the gyms now. <laughs> and there was recently an episode on uh, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, which that show has taken the craziest turn in the latest season because now it's it's like a Power Rangers-style show where they're going out and battling and capturing ultra Mm -hmm. pokemon but they came across a battle and this i think it was an officer jenny who she had all of the eevee evolutions and one eevee and she had them do like a super attack where all the evolutions jumped up in the air and blasted the eevee like supercharged it with their power and then that one eevee used like like all eight or all 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 eight (laughs) so there were it was like it was basically a super saiyan eevee it was glowing and it blasted the enemy with this like mega attack it was the <laughs> coolest thing very I've ever captain seen in the planety <laughs> it was very it was it was very captain planet it was also very like uh dragon ball like creating like a spirit bomb oh, kind yeah. of a uh, situation <laughs> it was it was really awesome and when i was watching that i was like this is the wildest thing i've ever seen now in the anime so it's clear that the creators have a real love for eevee i it's the thing every Every generation, I'm always, like, waiting. Like, please have a new evolution. Please have a new evolution. Um, you think we'll get one next year? I hope so. There's eight There's eight that we don't have. There's eight types remaining. That we don't have a rock. There's 16 <laughs> types. Um, or a metal yeah, there's no rock. There's no dragon. <laughs> metal Eevee. Dragon flying Eevee, Eevee would be so fucking cool. Yeah, dragon Eevee, ghost oh, Eevee. Oh, give me ghost Eevee. Yes. Hells yeah. Hells yeah. There's so many cool things they can do. I also really like the idea of if we only get one, I really love the idea of another normal type Eevee. Just like an adult looking Eevee. Shut the fuck like up. like a next the next evolution. Cool. <laughs> yeah. 
It would it would still be a normal type, it would but it would like just look like an adult version of that creature. Oh, yeah. I don't huh? Know. I was gonna, I said it, it looked like Arcanine, but no, you know, without fire. I oh, like. I mean, that depends on what animal you think Eevee is, because Eevee's sort of like a cat fox. Yeah. You know, it's not really any particular uh, mammal. Why don't we go ahead and move into a little bit of news? Hey, Tom, really quick, because uh, I'll just cut this part. Um, your your volume is coming through pretty low for me. I don't yeah. know about for Emily. Oh, shit, dude. <laughs> I had what? my mic uh, pointed the wrong that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, okay. So it's going to sound a little muffled for the first 20 minutes. <sighs> yeah. That's fine. Sorry about I, that. It's It's because I sometimes like take it off to hold it, and I just put it on backwards. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Good thing I'm a loud speaker. Yeah. All right. So a little bit of news. I'm gonna do very quick house cleaning so we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. But the Gardens Between just came out. That is Alex's game on our fantasy draft. Emily, do you know anything about our fantasy draft? I think I've seen pictures of it on your Twitter, but uh please refresh. So at the beginning of the year, we all drafted a number of titles, and then we had like a mid-season draft where we got to choose more. And ultimately, the way it works is by the end of the year, whoever's games have the highest cumulative review score, that person wins the season. So kind of like a football fantasy draft, but with video game reviews. Okay. Oh, I dig that. So the fun thing that we did this season is we have some real stakes. The loser of this year's draft is going to have their gamer tag changed for one year by the winner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which right now it is not looking for good for Dan Ween. Now Alex on the other hand just got The Gardens Between came out and he has it for the PlayStation 4. As of this time it has a 73, but I expect that to go up because all of the reviews, the PC version, the Switch version and the Open Critic score are all like an 80. Uh, but since he has the PS4 version and it's only had five reviews so far, it's kind of low because there was like one low score and that really kind of dragged it down. So my guess is it'll get at least one or two more points by the time that it's called and it'll go up. But that I think does it's kind of ridiculous. I, I think it's really kind of silly that they, you know, there are these games on the multi-platform because it wasn't until last week when you your score came in for Tomb Raider. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, there's a real disparity between its quote unquote Xbox score and its PS4 score. Yeah. And I, I th- I, it's just so weird to me that they they allocate these multi-platform games by, you know, unless there is, you know, it runs terribly on one system, which is not the case. It just happens yeah, to be. Yeah, I think that's something from, like, previous generations. That made sense right. around maybe, like, PS2, Xbox, GameCube. Right. Things ran really differently on those systems. Yes. But now it seems like a stupid relic. Yeah. That being said, Tom, I actually spoke with Alex today. I, I tossed him another idea because we're looking at ways to improve this game for next year. I think next year we switch to Open Critic. Okay. Because that allocates all scores, and then you're just getting the game. It's not actually console specific anymore right. because it gets all scores from everything. So I think oh, we're probably. Tuna gonna... has Red Dead. Mm. Yeah, he has Red Dead. Whew. So he's got 630 points now. So Alex is in second, and we're still waiting on. Quite a few games. To oh, come and out. Tetris Effect got a release date. It did. Tetris Effect got a release in date in November. Concrete so Genie that's... 
was just announced to be coming to uh, Japan as well, and it was still listed as 2018. Okay. And that was announced today at TGS, so I should hopefully have that game coming out. So. I totally thought that Ooblets was coming out this year, like for PC and Xbox. So they have been aiming for this year, and in their most re- recent language, uh, in fact, in their last two updates, they haven't even purposely uh, said like anything about it. Um, and now their fax page is updated. It it used to say we're hoping to release by the end of 2018, but now there's an update next to that, that says, "Oops, looks like we won't make it. Sorry." Oh, oh, I get yeah, or it. Or it's it's something. It's it's worded slightly like that. So at this point, I just decided anything that doesn't. So right now on our list, anything that doesn't have within the last month or two saying it's definitely coming out in 2018. Um, I'm just listing it as delayed for now. If it does come out, that'll change. Mm-hmm. But it, I've seen no confidence from them. Dreams is saying that the beta will be out by 2018. So I'm listing that as ca- uh, delayed for now because they're not even saying the game will release. And the Darwin Project just got an update the other day saying that their roadmap is well into next year before full release. So that's definitely not coming out this year. So Dan uh, is now, unless... Alex or I get surprise delays. Dan is now probably a lock for last. Oh no! So Tom, Tom, you might want to start thinking about uh, some names. Oh, I've got you know me. I've got ideas or a working. Although, if so, since Concrete Genies might be coming out, it might come down to UFO Fifty. If my UFO Fifty game comes out, Tom and Concrete Genie, if my two titles come out, then it's going to actually come down to who's got the better review score between you and I, because we both have the same amount of delays right now. Hmm. Um. But that could easily go either way. I mean, last so we'll last year, Emily, last year, it came down to... Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. I was ahead, but only by a few points. And Tuna, Alex needed his last game. The last game to get a score last year was Battlefront 2. Oh. And last year, we were doing it by IGN's review score, not Metacrit- the Metacritic average. Mm-hmm. And I think Alex needed, like, that game to only score like a 78 or something he didn't need it to even you know do that well in order for him to beat me it initially reviewed at a score of 75 but they didn't release a they they said they were going to re-review it because ea was like oh shit we fucked up with all these microtransaction fiasco nonsense so we're going to take away these microtransactions and so IGN was like okay we're gonna re-review it and they re-reviewed it but the score went down by 10 points to a 65 wow even after the microtransactions were taken away yeah because they re-reviewed it and they were like actually this game is not as good as we even remember it being like a week (laughs) oh man I'm looking at it right now Tom Alex only needed that game to get a 66 for him to tie you a 66, oh. he would have tied you. A 67, he would have won. That's all oh, he so needed. He, so with the original score, he had he had beat me. Because it originally was a 75. Um, oh, I think so. Shit. I think it went down. Yeah. Yeah. That's what was so crazy. Because the original Battlefront had like an 80-something. Yeah. So we thought this game, the season was a lock. Because there's no way the sequel is going to be 20 points less. <laughs> yeah. 
It was that was oh. insane. Man. I couldn't believe you couldn't have asked for a better season. So Tom, are you are you gonna continue to bank? I don't know how you guys picked which games or if you had to fight over each other over which games you wanted in your roster. Tom, I'm seeing that you have Anthem on here that will hopefully we hopefully get a, a date next year, possibly two thousand nineteen. Yeah. How are you so how are you Anthem, feeling about holding on to that? <laughs> yeah, so Anthem was so Anthem was a funny one because we did a mid-season draft this year. Mm-hmm. So after, because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of games, you know, we start this in the beginning of the year, but a lot of games that are going to come out in the year aren't announced until E3. So after E3, we did a mid-season uh, draft. And, God, I think the other option I was choosing was um, a Scribblenauts title. But I was like, you know what? Only a fucking coward would choose Scribblenauts. Let's choose this game that is definitely almost not coming out this year, even, you know, and who knows how good it's going to be after the Mass Effect Andromeda, in you know, uh, I yeah, am scandal. S- yeah, I am so just curious about that game. I want it so desperately to be good because it has basically Mass Effect's A and B teams. Which is why we didn't get um, kind of, I think, the Andromeda that everyone was anticipating or the sequel that everyone had anticipated. But it's just what cracked me up at E3 this year was how um, EA was having Bioware go away from their kind of RPG roots and being that you are not allowed to romance anyone in Anthem, which is a big Bioware staple. And then here comes Ubisoft with Assassin's Creed Odyssey and its very RPG-esque like format in which you can romance people in an Assassin's Creed game now. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Uh, which is it, such it, a weird thing to add to an Assassin's Creed game. I know, I saw I saw an article recently that said uh, everyone really likes playing as Cassandra more than the, the male character. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yo, yeah, I, I'm I get it. I'm definitely She's playing as Cassandra. She looks great. I remember playing that at E3. Love she's it. also the the canon character. Like she's the one that is going to be like the assassin for the game. Oh, great! Um, f- fun fact about Ashen: I actually played it at E three this year, and um, you know the, the and guy. You mean Anthem? Yeah, we we I played we played some I played some Anthem, and the guys had to watch me, but they didn't have any audio. <laughs> It was the dumbest setup. <laughs> what? It was, it was the, such a stupid setup. Well, so we asked them, like, hey, how many people can come to the demo? And they were like, oh, as many as you want. But they didn't say we can only have one person play. So when Tom sat down first, they were like, and you guys can watch. We're like, wait, what? And then they didn't have headsets either. So we're just watching. a watching. screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even like I was like, okay, like we can switch out. But it was like because th- we had switched out for fun like for assassin's creed odyssey we only mm-hmm. had one setup but we like switched out every 15 minutes but this was such a guided demo experience like someone was sitting there and like was like the team leader and walking us through it and i didn't even know they couldn't hear anything until afterwards i was like i was like oh that was awesome and they were like yeah if only we could have heard what was happening oh <laughs> gosh oh, so funny yeah and then from our perspective it did not look great because the big boss battle they set you up for like I think on their end, it looks cool. But to me, all I saw was another MMO-style boss battle where everyone's just running around and putting endless amounts of bullets yeah. into an enemy while their bar slightly and ever so slowly goes down, which is the worst kind of boss battle. I mean, gr- 
playing it was a little different and obviously um because there was a lot of strategy involved but yeah it was very much you know slowly kill this thing (laughs) let's uh we have a couple little bit more fun pieces of news really quick this is something i was mentioning to before the show indicade is next month so i will be at indicade if anyone listening to this will be at indicade in santa monica and you'd like to meet up please let me know it's on the 12th and 13th so be there for those two days Tom, you said you might be out here in LA, so maybe if you're yeah, um, I'm actually. I think I'm flying in. I actually just bought my tickets. Uh, I'm flying in the tenth, so uh, I don't know if I'm gonna go to. We can see about me going to Indicade, but um, if we want to do, if anyone is in Santa Monica and wants to meet up, we can definitely do that. Yeah. yeah, I think Patrick from Nintendo Cartridge Society is going to come with me to Indicade. Emily, are you planning on going? Oh, heck yes. I love Indicade. Uh, I always love to check them out at E3. And then I actually went to Indicade for the first, like the full event for the first time last year when it was in Little Tokyo. Oh, nice. I totally, I just blanked on it last year and forgot <laughs> to get passes. And then it just came and bo- went and I was so upset with myself for missing out on it. So I'm very excited to go this year because it is one of my favorite things at E3 every year is the Indicate booth. Oh, there because there's because so. it's not just video games; it's also AR experiences. Mm-hmm. It's it's so much and tabletop. Yeah, I love it. I mm-hmm. love any kind of game, any kind of storytelling that's immersive that gets the players involved. And yeah, I love seeing what uh, what these amazing creative minds come up with next. Well, awesome, great. Then I will be seeing you at Indicate. Other news, PlayStation Classic. What do you guys think? Woohoo! 20 games, 100 bucks. I, I think it's insane that they called it PlayStation Classic. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, it just like, it, it, it's it's a, obviously a ripoff of the NES Classic. And oh, I just yeah. thought oh, like yeah. PlayStation Mini or PlayStation Anniversary Edition, like, it, it's just crazy to me that they were like, all right, we're going to do the same thing and we're going to give it the exact same name yeah as soon as i saw that news drop the other night i was laughing so hard out loud i was like wow (laughs) sony's ballsy yeah to be being like all right we can do this too Mm." i feel like yeah especially this year in gaming it's been very much a a close battle between uh sony and the switch or nintendo specifically um but i mean sony's had a lot of really good games i feel like most of their games are going to possibly dominate uh best game of the year but yeah, just seeing the success of both of these companies and now Sony being like, we can do the traditional uh, beloved console as well. I think this is the one so far, in some ways, I'm slightly more excited about than the Nintendo ones, only because I didn't really own a PlayStation. My brother had it, so I only played the games that he got for it. And there's a lot of original PlayStation games that I never got to play. And this could be a fun way for me to actually play some of those games, depending on of course, what the games are. Yeah, that's the thing. Is what are the games going to be? I uh, what makes uh, Yeah, they've only announced like 4, I think. Yeah, point. including uh, a one beloved Final Fantasy 7, which we still have no information about how that remake is going. But hey everybody, if you yeah. love the game so much, play it in the classic way again until we have this remake. Or play it on the Switch, which it's coming to. Oh, that's right. They they just keep being like, "Oh, just t- Sate yourself with the classic for now. Here's different ways to play it. We're still working on it. <laughs> on this remaster you all want. What one game 
would you guys want for PlayStation Classic? Oh, if you could hard. pick only one of the 20. So I answered this question on someone who posted this on Twitter. Uh-huh. And um, I think it's simultaneously a long shot, but at the same time, because of the success of the recent game, might actually be possible. But I would love Neversoft's Spider-Man, the 90s oh. Spider-Man game, or the 2000 thing came out in the year 2000. But it's bit, you know it's it's meant to be the 90s cartoon Spider-Man. Um, that game is the reason I have a PlayStation. Had a pl- I was a PlayStation person. Um, yeah, I I would love to uh, jump into. I know that it's probably I'm wearing some, ju- much like when I bought Sonic Generations on the Xbox 360 and was like, this game is gonna be as great as I remember it. I had been wearing some rose tinted glasses, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm wearing them for this game as well yeah but i would love that or tony hawk either of those yes that's tony hawk pro skater 2 that's mine yeah Mm -hmm. yeah was pro skater 2 a a playstation 1 game yeah okay um yeah but i don't it's weird because i similarly to the inverse christian of how why you're so excited for this i'm not as excited for this one as i was for the nes and the snes because I never owned those consoles right. when I was a kid. And I never owned a PlayStation 1 either, but I did have a lot of PlayStation 1 games because obviously PS2 was backwards compat. So, yeah. yeah. I also think it's a little ludicrous that they're charging 100 bucks when the SNES is 70 um, or actually maybe it's 80 um, I think they really could have differentiated it and maybe even charged a little more, little more if they'd said, hey, it's not just these 20 games, like, it connects to the internet and you can purchase classic games and download them to the console. See, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. waiting for some of these to do. Yeah, it's it's kind of, I, I understand that it's meant to be more of a collector's item than something you are actually gaming on the regular, but I feel like PlayStation could easily maybe even sell it for like 150. Well, and then yeah, have this I mean, the thing is, this is really this is for enthusiasts and for the lapsed gamer who doesn't buy a PS4 because they'd rather sell you those things on the PS4 through their, you know, PlayStation Network store. Sure. PlayStation sure. Now. Emily, what game would you like? Y'all are gonna laugh. Oh, I want to hear it. <laughs> I love the Ape Escape series. It was oh, a really no, so that's, fun. That, I'm I loved not, that, that game, game as a kid. Um, I would love to play some more Ape Escape again on a classic PlayStation. That and uh, Metal Gear Solid, of course. Those are kind of my... They're very close to each other, but I do love... Oh, I love Ape Escape so much. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. Uh, the game that I would want after Tony Hawk for me would be Crash Team Racing. I remember the Ape Escape commercials. They're really played that fun, game. goofy little game. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. That's good. Uh, I really now now I really want an N sixty four classic. I know. Which we'll probably get next year. I really want what I'm really hoping for. Yeah, is that we're either getting news about an N sixty four mini. Give me that Pokemon Snap, please. Um, Hell's yeah. Or at least we're getting some GameCube backwards compatibility games released for the I Switch soon. I, I there's so many GameCube titles that we really haven't been able to see. I mean, you could play GameCube games on the on the Wii, which is why we haven't. Do you think Virtual Console is ever coming out? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there'll ever be a thing called virtual console again, but will they allow you to start downloading 
SNES and 64 GameCube games at one point or another on their eShop? Absolutely. Will they call it the virtual console? Probably not. They have it on we'll see. The, the 3DS. They have lots of they have Super Nintendo games on the 3DS. They have Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance games. They have NES games. They don't call it the Did virtual you, console uh... there. It's just, did you sign up for their online yes, service? Yes, because that just I, launched. Yeah, it did. Um, have you noticed uh, any issues with the... Well, have you noticed any issues um, with with, the, with it at all? Oh, I don't have it either. Um, I know oh, Matt, I Matt Acevedo too. has it, and he was basically <laughs> prepping for the day at launch. He's like, hopefully it doesn't go down. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's a good idea, I think, because online kind of online services is kind of still you have these other big boy companies uh microsoft and sony have been doing it for a while uh and now you have nintendo who has a very powerful console that you can take around with you so they're kind of really diving their foot i feel like into the big leagues of uh online content and whatnot so i'm curious i the thing that was that kind of we were curious about too was the fact that like splatoon 2 you can't save that to the cloud because they don't want cheating and so it comes down to, okay, what games are going to be allowed on the cloud? What games are not? Should I just go ahead and order like another SD card? Because it's it, my, my cloud's not going to be able to hold any of my big games anymore. Uh, a lot of those questions. Well, saves you can't even save to an SD card. They're, Correct. they're either now saved to the system or cloud. So the fact that you can't even save Splatoon 2 saves to the cloud. Like, what the fuck? Like... <laughs> If your console is broken, even with this online service, if you're a Splatoon 2 player, if you, you break your console and need a replacement, yeah, there's nothing. I mean, this can. is the problem with Nintendo is they just don't know how to do online. And the reason that they have these concerns about cheating is because the stuff, the Splatoon stuff isn't stored in the server. It's stored locally. If they stored all that information on the server, like everyone else, like you do, for instance, with a game like, let's say, Destiny, then you wouldn't have this concern. But because they don't store it on the server, you can have these problems because then there would be no such thing as a cloud backup because it wasn't stored on your device in the first place. Yeah. Online mm -hmm. games, your metrics and unlocks shouldn't be stored locally because then you don't have any concerns about this crap. It's a, it's such a weird thing for them to do. It's very strange. It's my biggest frustration with that company is that they still haven't entered like the early Xbox 360 days of online capabilities. It's crazy. Why do you think that it is? Do you think it. they're too scared of it? Do you think it's too much of a of a work hassle to build, uh, like I guess a ton of these servers and whatnot? Maybe they just yeah yeah. I think it's a combination of those things, and I think that you know when they they did it in a limited fashion on the Wii, they didn't build anything with the idea of longevity. They were like, oh, it's for the Wii. So when they went into the Wii U, we're going to build something for the Wii U, and then when the Switch comes out, we'll build something for the Switch instead of building an online infrastructure that moves forward. So it's like every time they're starting over and catching up from the beginning. And they're not a tech company, so I'll give them that. They're not a big tech company like Sony or Microsoft. True, no, yeah. Like we're. Um, but still, it's still done. I mean, yeah, it's... If Smash Online is broken, I am going... You are never going to hear the end of this. <laughs> we already never... Like, I feel... I was <laughs> going to say, I feel like us complaining about S Switch Online is a segment we could... We need a jingle for it because we complain <laughs> about it so much. But I know if Sma online is broken for Smash, Man, that's going to be this is that it's going to be the entire podcast. <laughs> well, I feel like too that'll go down like uh, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be real not good for Nintendo, especially in that Christmas season when that happens. Like you're gonna have this huge, uh-huh. huge, huge, huge influx of players because everyone's gonna be getting it for Christmas. Um, I'm sure or giving it or buying it on their own whim. But yeah, if that goes down, man, that's gonna a lot of people I don't feel like are gonna trust uh, Nintendo anymore for any kind of other big online games that they possibly have in development or any other IPs that they want to create that have big kind of online presences. I mean, yeah, because Diablo Diablo three is coming to the Switch. They finally confirmed that after teasing it for almost a year. Um, but Diablo, I think Diablo is similar to the way Fortnite works. They're do they're using like their servers. Okay, their so they're using Blizzard's, yeah, or, or, yeah, or yeah, Blizzard servers. Okay, well Be- that makes sense. Because fun fact. <laughs> Fun fact, if you're playing Fortnite and you want to do voice chat, you can plug your headphones right into the Switch. You don't need to use the app. Oh, that's great. Which was... Gosh, it's that, like, gosh, that we, app. We need to move. I, 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 I just can't talk about this you can't, anymore. You can't do that on any Nintendo games. Like, you can't yeah. do that on Splatoon. Nintendo's like, hey, if you want to pay for our online so you can take out your phone and basically call your friend <laughs> to chat, you can do that. But a third-party game can go and do whatever they want on our console, including online integrated voice chat. Why can't Nintendo offer me the same thing that a free-to-play game can offer me? We here at Nintendo are offering something totally new. You can now call your friends when you want to play with them. (laughs) (laughs) This is truly a new era of technology for all of us at Nintendo. Guys should have been in Legend of Korra as voice actors. (laughs) Oh, man. That, That is a great segue for us to go into some listener mail. Oh, I, I, sorry. You have something else really quick? Yeah, I wanted to talk about Red Dead, if you can. <gasps> Ooh, yes. Briefly. Okay, yeah. There's some yeah, really yeah. cool details here. Um, so Steven Totillo, I mean, a bunch of people um, went to go play, got their hands on Red Dead Redemption 2, but Steven Totillo at Kotaku uh, put up a really cool post, so I definitely recommend people checking it out, but there's some really awesome details here, including horse testicles. Did you know... Now, not only are the horse testicles animated in the game, but they change size depending on the weather. Yeah, I read this earlier as well. Um, <laughs> what? They will shrink or expand depending on how hot it is. <laughs> Man, and y'all, you know it's so hard to animate female characters. <laughs> it is real hard to create a female character in a video game. We still can't do it. Man, Persona 5, I just can't animate a woman to be your lead, to be an optional lead. Ugh, hard. Man, horse testicles, though. Easy. Change the weather? Great. <laughs> That's funny. That's why I hate that. I hate that excuse so much. It's such uh, yeah. a dumb excuse. It's the worst excuse. It's the worst excuse. Um. Oh, my God. There's so many things with this. For instance, I would have expected the response to have been something like a Jurassic Park-esque response of where all of the horses in the game are female. So you don't have to worry about that. Mm. Uh, Not the fact that they took the time to go and do that. This is a real cowboy simulator. I mean, I mean the the cool the cool thing that you can take away from this is is just the level of detail is crazy. Um, You know, for example, depending on the type of not only the weapon that you use but the type of ammunition you use is going to change um if you go hunting for example what uh not only how much you can collect from you know you can skin off but also if it's a bloodier like if you shoot an animal with a shotgun and you create this huge mess and then you go to you know skin it um you're going to get more you know blood and stuff on you uh 
versus if you had killed it cleaner. I got. Um, I gotta say, even before I stopped eating meat, I hated those parts of the game. <laughs> it was so <laughs> gross and gratuitous for no reason. Oh well, apparently it's even worse in this one compared to the first one. So you. Hunting might be something that you don't... Uh... Maybe I'll buy the game after the online fully launches like six months later then and just play the online. <laughs> I, I imagine they'll be hunting in that too. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be able to escape the uh, Christian. I'm, I know, yeah. All joking uh, aside, yeah. yeah, I'm the same way. I love the detail that we've seen going into this game. I especially love all the different environments we're going to get to travel to. Um, I'm so... yeah. It looks a lot more yes. varied than the first one, which was basically just a desert. With the flying flying bird men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's also like the level of detail, like um for example, you can have a mini map or you can make it um like a compass like you would have in Fallout, so you can really customize the HUD. Um and also apparently the the cinematic camera that you find in like Grand Theft Auto uh, where you know it, it has these like dynamic camera angles that are more reminiscent of a movie. Apparently, those have been really heavily tweaked, so they they're actually playable. Because in Grand Theft Auto, they're really kind of <laughs> useless because that you know it's constantly switching and it's really hard to control the character from those perspectives. But apparently, the cinematic camera in this game has been tweaked so much that not only is it you. Know, giving you new and different camera angles but it's also um it's it's also like actually playable in that right. form and you can do first person which i know was probably everyone was thinking but oh you know, actually i'm excited about that that's, that's awesome the, the, the fact that you can I love do first, first person, person. <laughs> yeah i'm Be super stoked it makes Super Grand Theft Auto's world look so much more interesting and so much bigger by having yeah. that sense of scale that, that first person offers. They announced the online doesn't come out till November in a beta form, yeah, which is very similar to GTA Online, so expect it to be fully broken for quite a long time. Yeah. That being said, I'm really, 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 really crossing my fingers for a replacement for zombies and getting uh, hosts or robots a la Westworld because... All I can think when I watch this game is how much I actually want this to be a Westworld video game and not a Red Dead Redemption video game. So. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that. Uh, I mean, robots are a great zombie that. replacement. I think zombies have had their day. They are. They've definitely <laughs> had their day. Like vampires before them, zombies have had their day. Yeah. So. Yeah. But uh, uh, if you want to see any more details, definitely go check that out. But I just wanted to talk about. The yeah, if you want to see a better image of the no. horse balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's, sorry i'm sorry to have to do this but there was one other bit of news this week which was slightly more gross than the oh. horse balls how you guys feeling about toad i was i was yeah i was one of those innocents that you wanted to listen to mail christian or what's the well i just the, the trump the trump toad thing is, uh, I just oh. like how she specifically used the reference of Mario Kart. Out of all the Toad appearances, it was Mario Kart that Stormy yep. Daniels remembered the most. Yep. Yeah, it was Mario Kart because he's not good at Smash. Oh, Bazingo. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the funniest joke that came out of that that I saw on Twitter. <laughs> That's but, pretty good. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, she said the thing we all knew. Mm -hmm. We all knew it looked like that. It, yeah, you know, in our hearts, and to have it confirmed is, well, yeah, weird and spotty, Toad, I guess, just like Toad. Maybe that'll be, 
<laughs> Maybe that'll be Dan's game attack. Trump's oh, dick. No. <laughs> no, no, because that all you can't use that word. You can't use that word. Oh, you can't use dick? Yeah. What if what if your name's Richard? Uh, Trump's, Trump's toad. toad. Yeah. Trump's yeah, that's toad. Not bad. Love it. All right. So time for a listener mail. If you want to send us a listener mail, it's email at unrankedpodcast.com. That's email at unrankedpodcast.com. Or you can send us messages via Twitter. So we got an email, which I meant to read last week. Um, didn't quite get to it. So then they followed up again this week. And I got it right here for you. And it came in from Don. Don says, Sup, fellas. Still catching up on all the old podcasts. I got to say my favorites so far have definitely been the power hours. The ball busting goes to a whole new level when alcohol is involved. I know I said this last time, but the more I listen to your podcast, the more you guys remind me of my friends and I. I have a couple of questions for you guys today. The first one is, how did you all meet? And the second is basically just a life question. I'm 24 years old old and I still don't really know what it is that I want to do in my life. I'm in community college and I'm working a job at a nursery that I can't really stand. Um, you guys seem to thoroughly enjoy what you do. So basically the question would be, was there a specific moment in your life in which there was a click that caused you to see the path that you wanted to walk? Was it gradual? Anyway, anyway guys, keep cranking out the sick content and also suck it. Uh, P.S. Sorry to Dan to hear that you're a lifelong Mets fan. Sincerely, a Braves fan. Um, since the other guys aren't here, I'll just say very quickly how we all met. Uh, Alex and I have been friends since, I think, like, second grade, maybe first grade. Um, I had a homeroom with Dan. And Tom and I met working at the Apple Store in, like, 2009. 2010, but yeah. 2010. 2010. Yeah. Summer 2010. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was like May when I started. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then we all met Emily this last year for the first time at E3. Yeah. And I met Emily at. Oh shit! Wait, when did we? You we ran into each other at, it was yeah. E3. at Comic Con. Oh yeah, yeah. We met and at E3. And then we ran into each other at Comic Con. That's right. Yeah. In the yeah. press booth, in that tiny little press yeah, cage. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> I don't know if I told you, Christian, but I, I went to you know I I went to go see. Um, the Marvel Games panel, and yeah. uh, they had if you hadn't like signed up, if you were just like, "Hey, I'm press," and you were just kind of like showing up then and there, um, sure. and didn't have a reserved seat, they just kind of put you in this little <laughs> pen, <laughs> the petting zoo. So they put you in a pen, and then like, yeah, Emily was just there, and I was like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" <laughs> and then hung out with most of the. Uh, hyper rpg guys that weekend actually so yeah oh yeah that's right no yeah. yeah that was a blast that weekend was fun good weekend yeah they're the best everyone over at hyper is the best so i guess we can answer how we knew what we wanted to do we'll just go around the table here i'll start mine is like i've known that i've wanted to make movies and stuff i think ever since like around star wars like jurassic park as like a little kid i grew up watching them but alex and i alex got a video camera for his 11th birthday i think and we started shooting like our own little movies when we were 11 years old and then that was it i just wanted to work in production and make like movies and tv which nowadays more translates to making stuff on the internet yeah you know yeah so mine, that's why that's what i'm doing mine is is, <laughs> is very similar i actually my father had a vhs copy of the matrix and the the matrix was very unique because it was one of the few vhs tapes to actually have behind the scenes features 
you know, usually we don't think of those until DVDs. Um, but I don't even think of The Matrix as VHS because that's like the movie everyone got a DVD. Yeah, it for. was like that movie came out 1999, so that was right around the time that it transitioned into DVD. Yeah. Um, that was why people like bought the PS2. They had like bundles, if right. I remember correctly. Yeah. Um. It. We we just had the the VHS, unfortunately. However, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, my dad was like, "You're too young to watch the movie," because I was like seven or eight at the time. But he's like, "You need to see this," and he showed me the VHS. It was only a five minute behind the scenes, but it showed the bullet time sequence and how they did it. And you know, it's basically a green screen with like a dozen cameras in a semicircle around Keanu Reeves as he, you know, bends backwards and dodges the bullets. Mm-hmm. So I, from that moment, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to make, I want to make movies. And I stole the, or, you know, when he wasn't looking, I, I took the VHS into my room and like over the next week, I watched the matrix like on repeat until <laughs> he caught me and was like, well, I guess there's no point in taking it away from you. So <laughs> I've seen that movie. I mean, even since then, like countless times and it's a great movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of my, one of my all time, all time favorites. And, uh, I, yeah. And then it kind of, as the internet was becoming more and more of a thing and people started making online content and I had so many other hobbies with gaming and tech and all this stuff, I just kind of realized that, oh, it doesn't necessarily mean I have to make movies. I can do, you know, digital media and all that stuff. So in terms of, like, trying to figure out um, what you want to do, um, that's uh, I good good luck. Uh, I think that the hardest thing about being an adult is knowing what you want to do uh, and, like, trying to figure that out. And uh, But once you once you do get there, I think it does get easier. So that is a um that that is a comforting thought and i would just say look at you know look at your hobbies what interests you you know outside of like a profession and i promise you there's almost you know there are some things that are tougher to do than others but it's 2018 there's all kinds of wacky jobs out there man my girlfriend's a chocolatier for god's sake that's right (laughs) as hell (laughs) that's awesome uh yeah for me it definitely was one of those things where it started out with acting i would uh, watch Singing in the Rain every summer while visiting my grandmother's house. And I loved Donald O'Connor in that film. I wanted to be him. I didn't want to be Debbie Reynolds. I wanted to be the guy that made everybody laugh. So I always knew that I wanted to become an actor. And then it was so funny, because I grew up loving video games, not really putting the idea in my head that I could work in the video games industry or even how to get into there. Uh, and then, of course, it was because I was working at a theater and a friend knew someone who was working on the production team over with Mountain F- Mountain Dew and Game Fuel that they needed really good hosts, people ha- who had strong improv backgrounds, to come on and host this new video game show. And that's how I ended up finding myself in the video games industry. It was very much uh, a delightful kind of surprise into it. And I, I realized I don't want to leave it. I love working in this industry. I think it's so cool to be able to talk about games, to talk to other people like this about games uh and to attend events and cover games and just that whole world because to me video gaming is really important it's a really unique storytelling device that i feel like not a lot of people see it as and i want to keep exploring that um but with yeah finding what you want to do 
Um, I would say, yeah, similar to what Tom said, follow your hobbies. What are you interested in? And also don't be afraid that sometimes your hobbies will change and that jobs can Mm -hmm. change and just to be completely open to it because you may be interested in something for a few years and then who knows, maybe in five years, the thing that you were, you really want to do suddenly hits you like a ton of bricks. Um, I love referring back to two actors I really love, Peter Dinklage and Alan Rickman. Those were both, uh, individuals who had kind of graphic design jobs or other jobs in their lives until about I think like their 30s or even their 40s for Alan Rickman in which they then realized oh I want to pursue acting and so always be open I think that's my big uh, takeaway from this is just always be open to what you like at any given time and see where those passions take you because you never know where uh, one passion will lead you could be at a really amazing job yeah that's a really good point Um, my experience actually has been that because I always thought that I wanted to direct for whatever reason and making movies with Alex growing up as kids the thing I would I would always end up being in the movie uh, and Alex would usually be in the camera and everything and I only did it because I was just like well we don't have anyone else to do it I didn't think I liked being on camera or anything necessarily at the time and then once I moved out here and I started doing a lot of work like PA work and then I found myself somehow doing like cinematography uh, I was working behind the camera a lot. I was doing like a bunch of stuff for HGTV. I did a feature length documentary. Um, I did some shorts. I did some stuff at MTV. And suddenly I realized, oh, I don't actually want to hold the camera for anyone else. I want to make my own stuff. I don't actually want to be doing this other part of the production process. So that's how I got started doing podcasts and stuff. The reason I started doing any of this was so that I could figure out how to make my own stuff and start a brand. And now... I'm finally at a place where we're I'm ready to start doing like on camera stuff. In fact, um, I'm getting ready to do our first video podcast now on Zeitgeist, which uh, actually Matt Acevedo is going to be doing with me. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm he told really... me about this podcast. I'm so excited about uh, it. I Yeah. You're definitely coming on. Oh, uh, you're on <laughs> our short list for one of our first guests. Um, I'm so excited. So, so excited to get back to doing more video stuff. Which is part of why I was so excited to go to do. I've done some a couple of like hyper RPG things with Emily over at uh, Hyper with them, and they're so much fun to go on. And it's like I didn't think I wanted to do that stuff until I started actually working in production and realizing like, oh, I don't want to work in production. I want to either be in it or be behind the creation of it. So like, really, I just want to kind of produce or host. I don't want to do the other parts of it which was not something I knew until I did it for a couple of years. And it's weird to like reset. So it's tough. And it, it, it's, uh, I think, hard for everyone. And we also have like, I think, a weird career path compared to a lot of other people. You know? Yeah, we are mm-hmm. not, uh, so. we are not, I think, either, any of us uh, traditionalists when it comes to our career choices. No. Nope. <laughs> we got another question that'll actually take us a little bit. So I'll save that for next week. Um, but I will have us answer this one which came in on twitter and how excited are you guys for the avatar live action series very oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> i i i am excited i feel like uh my excitement just has uh attached to it in a ball and chain the Shyamalan movie um unfortunately <laughs> just because i I cannot tell you. I hyped that movie up for myself so much as a kid. Because what year did that movie come out? 2010. Uh, oh, man. Two, yeah. Okay. 2010. Okay. So I was... Um, how old was I? Uh, probably around like 15, 16. I forget. I'm not doing math right now. Um, 
But yeah, I was like so hyped about that show. Me and my friends or that movie, me and my friends made t-shirts. We went to the midnight premiere. Everyone was dressed up as characters. It was great. And then I was like in a weekend depression for the rest of the weekend to where my mom was like genuinely concerned. And I just remember turning to her and just saying, have you ever been so disappointed? in your entire life um <laughs> i but i think i think because brian and michael are not only executive producers but also showrunners and hopefully we've all learned from our mistakes from the past of of casting poc actors please um they 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 made a statement they said it won't be whitewashed they promised that the cast will not be whitewashed great and i hope they don't change like i know they changed some of the stuff for the they changed some of the lore too for the for the film as well like the firebenders couldn't just create fire they had to use as a source um i hope we i hope we stick more towards the series rather than changing it up because man Uh, that series was great i love it i need to rewatch it now (laughs) i have one concern though okay there's something i hope they change and quite frankly i think that now if you are a fiction writer and you are writing a fictional story that you hope to be a wider series, you need to stop making your characters 12 years old because it never works when you make them. The, I, I just, I, I have a lot of concerns about them realizing this world without aging them up at least a little bit. Um, I'm curious, like possible, what, like tell but, me why. I'm just curious a little, like dive deeper for me. Typically speaking, when children act and talk like adults, it just never comes across supernatural, especially not supernatural. Uh, it never comes but I mean, across. That as- was, I mean, but that was the gr- that was one of the great things about the Last Airbender is not only the, these characters when were not only speaking, you know, well, yeah, and, but they they felt like children though. Like Ang felt like a child. Yeah, um, and those things I think work was... as a cartoon, but sometimes when they are depicted in real life or when they come from a book and they're depicted in real life. I mean, George R. R. Martin has said that he wishes he hadn't made his characters as young as he did in retrospect because he, he realizes now thinking of them as real people that it seems so silly when their characters were like 10 and they were doing these epic fights because it's like these just the body of a child doesn't allow for them to to do that. Uh, I just I have some concerns if they actually cast children for these roles about how well it's going to be realized. Also, the fact that if they cast 12 years old, 12 year olds for this story, um, unless they allow for the passage of time in the story, then the characters are going to age up too fast as well. Whereas if you get someone that's like a little bit older at the beginning, they kind of look closer to the same. It's like the Stranger Thing kids are going to look so wildly different from season one to season three. You know, yeah. These it, it it's gonna be weird to see Aang possibly get very old by the end of his journey, uh, and that's the thing is I don't think that a this is going to be a show that's gonna run for years and years and years. I can see oh, them really. I, I don't. Yeah, oh. I don't think it's gonna be like. That. Oh, I anticipate I think... this as them seeing this as like their their Game of Thrones, their Game of yeah, Thrones. I really do. I really do. Well, I'm I'm really curious as to how they're going to adapt it because I think that what could be really interesting and maybe solves some problems um, is if not only I think you have to tell the original story, right? You have to tell the story of Ang coming back right. 
and and f- finishing the Hundred Years' War. But I don't know if anyone here has read any of the comics that have come out um, that have been kind of spearheaded by um, the showrunners, but written by these this really great no. this really great uh, writer. Um, they like they pick up the moment after the show ends. Interesting. Um, the first book the first book is about. Uh, well, what happens to all of these firebenders that have lived here for generations in the Earth Kingdom? Because Zuko's like, all right, firebenders, let's all go home. And Aang's like, wait, some of these people have families. Like, firebenders have married into earthbending families, and kids have parents on both sides. Like, you can't just, like, take, you know, which seems so appropriate for our time right now. Um, and then, like, the second book deals with uh, Zuko's mother. You find out what happened to mm-hmm. Zuko's I, mother. I read that one, yeah. So I think, yeah, that, that one's, I, gotta read I actually really now. like their, <laughs> I, I really like their explanation for what happened to, to her, ultimately. So I think that not only could they adapt the original series, but they could do, like, Aang's life, you know, like, founding Republic City. So you might be able to do the a, a long form where it is like his life from, you know, 12, 13 to him, yeah. you know, in his 20s. Yeah. Know. But then that um, like I, I'm not saying make the kid an adult. I just think it. I would prefer if they made him maybe 15. I would like to close the age gap between him and Katara. That's really when it comes to age. That's really my main. Thing. Oh, you don't like the because... Anakin like Padme kind of age gap. <laughs> I didn't like it when it was Anakin and Padme either. I thought that was always so. Yeah, strange. there's something very Drake about that. And uh, fortunately, the writing in the show was good enough that I re- I believed in that connection, but. I think a lot. There is something to say about the argument of oh, Zuko and Katara fit together just because they're simply closer in age, and Katara's relationship at a lot of times with Aang was very motherly, which made it kind of weird. It was, but I, but I, but I really I liked. I don't know. I am personally very excited. It sounds like they've put a lot of thought already into the the planning of this, and the creators have been kind of MIA the last few years, and I guess it's because they were working out the details and i think that this has been in the works for so long that they were like we're not going to commit to this until we know that it's the right thing to do and we're not just cashing in yeah. on you know but yeah i i i i just want to be happy about something <laughs> and i think that like a lot of news has been coming out recently like there was that news about oh marvel is gonna make you know uh short miniseries yeah that's gonna be awesome characters that's going to be awesome. Yeah. People are like, oh, no, it's too much. And I'm like, Marvel has made 20 movies, yeah. which have ranged from fine, like enjoyable at the very least, to like groundbreaking, history-breaking cinematic experiences. And you're concerned, like, oh, can we just be happy? Yeah, no, Please. I'm I'm very excited <laughs> for this Avatar show. I think it can be incredible. I think it can be the next game of thrones-esque show i think it can be huge for netflix i i it's just children in movies often is the thing that disappoints me the most because i find them very poorly written uh oftentimes they are not the greatest actors and then they often cast children right before they go through a growth spurt and then they're acting like they're supposed to be so much younger than they are and it it there's this like always awkward phase, and I just feel like it gets messed up 90% of the time. More often than not, when they kids in long-running series, 
is a fumble. It's not something that they land well. So that's my that's the only concern I have with it. Otherwise, I'm very excited about the prospect. I just watched the Dragon Prince, the whole thing. Fucking amazing. Yeah, I watched it too. Loved it. I liked it. Oh, I still need to watch that. I, I'm really excited to see that. Very do fun. you think this is a, a 2019 show or do you think it's like 2020? Oh, 2020. I think we're a ways yeah, off. 2020. I also hope they use try to use as many practical effects as they can. Mm-hmm. I do hope they try to build like an Appa puppet and mm-hmm. a Momo puppet because I would love to see those creatures more real than just uh, CGI'd. And more than that, I hope that they crush it with this so then they could do a live action Legend of Korra and we get a female-led character who's also gay. That would be even better. I'd rather have that. Let's get that on screen because we could use more of that, you know? Let's not make this mm-hmm. like the Dumbledore scenario where Dumbledore supposedly I, I, is gay and now in the movies they're oh, not yeah, actually doing that's that. Oh, yeah, so weird. So I, de- I definitely is, think if, if, the, if they pull this off, they absolutely will adapt Korra. Um, I hope they do what you are talking about, Tom, and that, yeah, they talk about kind of or the you book. and yeah. Chris both talked about it. Yeah, they adapt some of the comics because that that's be what sick. I really want to see too. Because yeah, they are because they're not just fun and adventurous like kid stories. They're like dealing with what is the fallout of like a war and an occupation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how does this like young teen now have to lead the world in changing politics and changing society? And I think those are yeah, those are really important, especially in today's kind of political climate, like seeing that these kids are empowered to make a change and that it is hard, but they're able to somehow work something out is is really important. Hells yeah. All right, guys, you ready to play a quick game and close out this show? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Today we're going to be playing a new game. Tom, can you guess what the name of that game is? God. Oh, well, it's a new game, so I have no fucking idea. It's called <laughs> What Am I Thinking? Oh, God. No, I'm kidding. It's not. We're not playing that. We're going to play corrections. So I have five oh, great. statements for you two, and something in that statement is false, or it's possible that the entire statement itself is false or true. You don't know. So you've got to correct me if it needs it. If it doesn't, you can just pass and say that it's true. Uh, do you see on your Zencaster screen a little hand? Yes. If you click the hand, it highlights for me and lets me know that you're ready to ring in. So whichever one of you highlights first, you get to answer first. So okay. if you get it right, you get a point. If you don't get it right, you don't lose any points. For instance, let's say I said Pokemon Orange and Yellow came out in 1996. You would buzz in and then you'd say, Emily, you'd be like. Oh. Correction. Yes. And then you'd have to guess the correction to get the point, um, which is Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Dude, so, Pokemon Orange is my favorite. <laughs> I love them. Such a hard... Not a lot of people like that one, but it's classic. <laughs> I would love Pokemon Orange. Um, I don't even know what that would be. All right. So here's first... Raichu Orange? I feel like Raichu's Orange. Right? It's like a gold. It's like gold and black. Oh, right? man. They should make a Pokemon Gold. <laughs> they, they have Pokemon Gold. I know. <laughs> All right, here's your first statement. There is a hidden and unofficial 24th cheat in the original GoldenEye on the N64. This cheat unlocks skins for Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, and Pierce Brosnan, which were never meant to be used in the game. Emily. I'm going to say that's correct. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not correct. Uh. So I get a chance to steal, I guess. Yeah, and you don't lose any points, so you may as well take a guess. So can it be just completely false? 
like there's no correction it's just false or like there's some truth to it just something is amiss yeah yeah there's there's some level of truth to it um but there is a correction about it like technically speaking the whole statement is false until it's corrected you know what i mean right i understand uh and you there's no chance you could read that back to me is that (laughs) Uh, sure. There's a hidden, unofficial 24th cheat in the original GoldenEye on the N64. This cheat unlocks the skins for Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, and Pierce Brosnan, which were never meant to be used in the game. All right. I'm going to say that the correction is it's the 25th cheat. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not it. Uh, it seems like you are on the right path there, thinking that this is not true. So there is no 24th cheat in GoldenEye. But there were skins for Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, and Pierce Brosnan, uh. which were never meant to be used in the game. You can that information is like found within the game, uh, but it was locked off. There is a rumor and a long-standing, very long-standing rumor that there's a twenty-fourth cheat available that which will actually unlock them. But that part is false. Because uh, right, I knew I knew the skins part was true, and so yep. I was yeah. I I was hoping you might. <laughs> That's uh. That's the evil part of my games, generally. (laughs) All right. This next one should be good. Uh, Number two. Although Rockstar claims Bigfoot exists in GTA San Andreas, many fans of the community have never been able to locate the large-footed beast despite a number of uh, fake Let's Play videos. Tom? You said San Andreas, right? Yes. Uh, So there's a correction, and it's the... This is GTA 5. That is not the correction we are looking oh, for. Oh, shit. I was so convinced I was right. Can you read me the question again? Yeah. Although Rockstar claims Bigfoot exists in GTA San Andreas, many fans of the community have never been able to locate the large-footed beast, despite a number of fake Let's Play videos. I'm going to say correct. Oh. So the correction on this one is that Rockstar claims Bigfoot does not exist in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, but... There's a long-standing rumor in the community, and there are a lot of people that keep looking for him. It's a very—you can Google this. Tons of people are still, to this day, looking for Bigfoot in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Now, there is, Tom, a Bigfoot in GTA uh, V, but plenty oh, of people that's... have found it. Whereas oh, in this shit. one, okay. fans, of, fans of the game in the community have never been able to locate it. That is true, and there are a lot of videos which will be like, we found Bigfoot in GTA San Andreas. We finally did it. Uh, but they're all faked. There is no Bigfoot, according to them, and all of those videos have been faked. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to make one of these games for me, Tom, because I swear when I make them, to me, because I know the answer, it feels like it's easier than it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just remember there being a lot of Bigfoot talk around GTA Five, so that was yeah. my, that was my... Uh, okay, number three. This is, this is uh, The Hall of Tortured Souls is a first-person game hidden inside Microsoft Word 95. Designed similar to Doom, the game contains a hidden message containing the developer's names and photos at its end. Fuck it. Tom? I'm going to say that's true. Oh, I'm sorry. This is not... God, fuck uh, it. This is not... I guess I guess the answer, uh, just for a linguistic sake, it shouldn't be true. It, I guess the term should just be needs no corrections. Needs no corrections. Because this but does need a correction. It does need a correction. <laughs> yeah. Emily? 
I actually know this. Uh, correction, it was Excel 95, not Word. Hells yes, it was. Yeah! <laughs> One point to Emily. Tom, isn't that a wild fact? <laughs> uh, I feel like there's so many. I feel like the 90s, because <laughs> of the like dot-com bubble and just like the rise of computing, there are so many stories like that. Where people were like, oh shit, like we've been hired to, we've been given so much money to make, you know, this piece of software or whatever. We're going to go, we're going to s- shove something in here. I feel, <laughs> I've, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was also something hidden in Microsoft Word. Something with Clippy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clippy. If you actually like use him, he like gives you the meaning of life, like tells you the meaning of life. <laughs> Invest in Microsoft stocks now. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, okay, we have two more. Number four. Donkey Kong was originally Mario's escape pet gorilla in the classic Donkey Kong game in which Mario was originally known as Jumpman. Uh, wait, one more time. Donkey Kong was originally Mario's escaped pet gorilla in the classic Donkey Kong game in which Mario was originally known as Jumpman. That is true. Uh, the hands went up at the same time. Sorry, at, like the same time. Um, so I'll just since you yelled yours out, you're gonna say true. Uh, needs no corrections, Christian. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Uh, even though the hands went up at the same time and you um just decided to speak, I'll give it to you because that is correct. That is true. Yeah, I was gonna say the same uh, exact thing. And yeah. I want to give it to Tom because that makes the final round slightly more interesting because this is the last question and the tie the score is now. <laughs> but tied. if I had gotten the last question right, Emily, he would not have given it to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just uh, make sure to uh, wait for me to call the person. Although that would have been tough because they it looked like they were the same on time. my end. Emily's hand didn't go up at all. So yeah. oh okay. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Uh, okay, and number five. Dragon King the Fighting Game was the actual game being made before it became Mario Party. Nintendo was looking to make a four-player party game featuring a number of generic characters, and only once they added in Nintendo's gaming icons did the game click. Emily? Uh, it was not Mario Party, it was Super Smash. Or the first Smash. (laughs) Congratulations, Emily. You won, that is correct. For two points. Wow, that's a really crazy fact. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of weird Nintendo games. Like I think Super Mario Brothers Two was actually like built off of some like weird jo- Mardi Gras Doki Doki Panic game. Yes, Doki Doki yeah. Panic. It's like the whole history of Mario games is really yeah, which is why it was really fun when the shy guys finally showed up in other titles because that really kind of made them canon to the Mario universe because they were actually just ripped from Doki Doki Panic, which is like. Super Mario 2. Um, the actual Super Mario Brothers 2 is Mario the Lost Levels in the U.S., which you can play in Mario All-Stars. So, all right. Riveting. This is where we're going to close our show. <laughs> Let's start with Emily. If people would like to follow you or watch your content online, how can they do that? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at frankly underscore Emily on Instagram with the same name with an additional underscore after Emily. And then you can catch me regularly on Hyper RPG and my own Twitch channel, frankly underscore Emily. Fantastic. Tom, how about you? Great Britom everywhere but PlayStation where I am Time Bomb Tom. Awesome. All of our gamer tags as well are listed in the show notes. So if you want our friend codes, if you want our PSN, our Xbox Live, you can find us there. 
I'm at Christian underscore Humes on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Zeitheist or at Unranked Podcast. You can check out a number of our other shows. Uh, be sure to check out Hyper RPG with Emily. She is fantastic on there. Always a great time. But until next time, everybody, go play some video games and stay unranked. And suck it. And suck it. <laughs> Feisty.